Hi, everyone. Welcome to QCCS Mackay Coast Change Game podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the Uibara people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to our past, present, and emerging. Change the Game, brought to you by the Mackay Cutters. Joel Carlu, you joining us on the Change the Game podcast. I really appreciate your time um, getting you in the seat because I know how busy you are. And you are that busy because you've just taken on a new role for Mackay Basketball, the GM position, uh, with your head coaching position with Mackay Meteors. So firstly, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, and yeah, tell us, a, I want to know at the start uh, a little bit of your love of basketball. And explain to me the relationship you have with basketball. Where, where did it start? Where is it currently? And where is it going? It's a love-hate relationship. You love the game until you lose and then you hate it. You know, it's it's funny. I was coaching at a tournament just last week and uh, we lost our final game. It was a bronze medal game and trying to talk to those boys. There was an under-20 Queensland team and, you know, the message was, you know, some days the game will love you and then some days it'll break your heart, you know, and that's – being consistent, I think, throughout my journey. I mean, it's probably more love than hate, I'd say, overall. But um, look, I I picked up a basketball. I was a bit of a late bloomer, actually. I didn't start till I was 13. So I uh, grew up playing a bit of footy, rugby league, cricket mostly, cricket every weekend from age five to, to 13, and then played a game of hoops and went back and played one more game of cricket and then never played cricket again after that. So it was kind of something straight away as a game – that I just took to, I, you know, during that era growing up, that was the the Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, you know, you used to watch a snippet of basketball on Saturday lunchtime, I forget what it was called, Bill Woods on Channel 10 or whatever it was, and it was just something that to me as a game, I loved the excitement, I loved the pace of it, and I was just fortunate that I was, I was okay as a young, as a young kind of teenager playing, and yeah, now I look back and it's, 25 years on or 20, what am I now? 43. So it's, you know, it's 30 years on, <laughs> 30 years, you know, since I first played and that journey's taken me all across the world. You know, I've had, you know, a lot of, lot of great memories built from teams I've been a part of that have been successful, you know, and it's that old cliche, right? Like it's, it's not the, it's, it's the friendships you make over that time that sports, you know, brings you experiences and, and memories and people coming together. And so for me, it's, I've dev- developed this lifelong love for the game. You know, it's not only my my job, it's my passion and, you know, I get to do it every single day, whether that's coaching or administratively or operationally or whatever it is, it's all in a twine and it's been that way now for a long time. So I've been really lucky to find something that, you know, I don't see it as work for me, it's or a job, it's it's my passion every single day and the game's been really good to me. So I'm, I'm really fortunate that it's, yeah, I've been able to find my niche, I guess. Yeah. And you've, you know, obviously started playing and transitioned into coaching. Talk me through that transition period of, because at one stage you were still playing and coaching as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, look, probably, I mean, I came back from college, I think in the US, I was 25 when I returned and I played, I played previously. I kind of started at this semi-professional, it's now NBL one level, used to be called CBA, ABA, it's changed names a a few times, but the state league, I, I started out as a 17 year old in that competition and played five years before going to the States. I would always had a dream of going to college and, and doing that over in the US and 
when I went over in 2002, there weren't many Australians over there. I think there was about maybe 30 totally. You know, now there's probably thousands that are over there, you know. So, and I, I returned back and I, I was still playing and my coach at the time said to me, why don't you get involved with coaching some junior representative teams? I, I had a bit of time to do it. I was like, yeah, sure. And did that and I just found a different way to look at the game and really enjoyed being able to mentor those young people and, and help kind of foster their development while I was still playing. And that five, like I kind of played another five years, but I think in that year four or five, I knew then that I was going to be better as a coach than as a player. And I and that my passion for coaching, you know, I think I retired from playing at that level at age 30 before I came back to Mackay, kind of, I wouldn't say come out of retirement, but we needed some players. So I kind of play a coach, GM, did a few things. I was, you know, Grant Kruger was here then as head coach and he was player head coach. So we had two two player coaches and a GM that was running around. And, you know, we'd, I'm probably just lucky that we won those two years because if anyone else, you're going, this is a, this is absolute stitch up, right? You can't have <laughs> your front office guys, right? Like imagine that cookie's out there, the, he's lined up in the centers, mate, in the halves, like yeah, far yeah, out. Yeah. So, but yeah, look, the, it, it transitioned into coaching there. And, and now it's funny, I, my memories, probably my fondest memories have come as a head coach, whether that's junior level, senior level, I've coached national teams, international tournaments. And yeah, just again, really lucky that I've been able to find that niche in coaching now. And I really enjoy that. Like just being able to help shape players and guide them and give them a really good experience. Cause that's a big part for me is when I look back and the good coaches I had were the ones that gave me that good experience and uh, shaped me not only as a player, but also as a person for life. Yeah. So does that relate to your coaching philosophy? Absolutely. You know, for me, coaching philosophy overall is probably all around, you know, just for a start, be the hardest worker in the room. You know, I think success comes when, you know, the harder you work, the more successful you get, you know, that old cliche. So for me, it's all about, you know, really, if you're going to do this and you do it right. So I kind of, I live that through my coaching and then, and obviously rub off to my players that if I'm going to be here and, and, and given this my everything, then I expect the same from you in that space. Um, you know, when it comes to the technical aspect in terms of coaching philosophy, I'm, I'm a defensive oriented coach. I've had really good coaches previously that, that really focused on that. And it's funny, right? Like you, if I talk to you, if you talk to any of my former teammates, they go, mate, you never played any defense in your life. But you know, now as a coach, it's a bit different. And yeah, it's, I really try and focus on that on the floor and build a culture built around, you know, just being a team that opposition teams fear kind of playing against they know when they step on the floor against us it's going to be a battle physicality is going to be tough but ultimately you know I think you know for us overall particularly now with the meteors in that space where I'm kind of doing my majority of coaching it's it's certainly around creating that environment where you can put the individual in the best position to be successful as part of a group and every, every coach says that right mm. it's something that you know every coach kind of rolls out of the tip of the tongue kind of thing but it's something you got to believe in right you got to get to know your players got to have a good relationship with them create an environment where they enjoy it because you know if they're coming to work every day and they're not liking it then you know obviously that then becomes a drain and then that can become toxic and everything else so for me it's hard work first obviously encompass that fun and make it enjoyable um, and ultimately you know just try and get buy-in from guys on that defensive end and hopefully that leads us in a good position to go win games. Yeah, and recently you've been, actually I don't know the exact role title, but you're working uh, with the Indigenous Youth or Aboriginal and Indigenous Programs yep. Manager. Was that your role? Yeah, last two years I was um, employed by Basketball Queensland uh, running their Indigenous Pathways Program in the north. So basically my footprint, I was based here in Mackay, but footprint went from Rockhampton up to the Torres Strait, so west to Mount Isa. You know, so within that, there was probably 10 or 11 kind of communities I'd focused on and that kind of you know was also some 
previous work I had done when I was based in Cairns was around certainly, you know, for me it was about using the game as a way to impact particularly young, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids that were facing a few challenges and sport was their outlet. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stories around that where you, you know, whatever sport it is, but you talk about some of these kids that are, are coming from pretty tough backgrounds and, you know, the challenges of just being able to play junior sport or be able to afford junior sport, whatever else. And so part of my role in that job was certainly trying to create alternative programs to just get these, you know, kids playing hoops and, but yeah. really just get them active, you know? Yeah, talk, talk to me about Midnight Hoop. Oh, yeah, look, Midnight Hoop basketball, it was just – so we started that program in Cairns way back in 2005, 2006. So I was lucky. One of the American imports that were there at the time kind of come up with a concept around, look, he was from Chicago. He was like, look, this is a program that, you know, we run back home, you know, gets kids off the street. Let's try it. And, it, you know, it ended up becoming this massive thing in Cairns, particularly where the stadium was located in Cairns. It was kind of right in the middle of a, a few of the suburbs that were, you know, high population of Indigenous youth. And so it was walking distance, which, which helped as well. But we started out, I think there was 40 or 50 kids every Friday night and that grew up to 300, 300 odd plus, you know, kids just coming and playing basketball. And, and the best thing about that was it was free. You know, we organized transport. You know, we were lucky to have some really good sponsors. So they were coming in, they were getting a feed, you know, and then just spending three hours on courts running around shooting hoops versus being out in the streets or partying or wherever, you know, being in a position where they can make some bad decisions. So that program now, like it's rolled out. I think there's different versions of it nationally, different organisations running in different ways, but certainly as a as a crime preventative program using sport. And then the role models, you know, we were, we were lucky there. We had a number of players that were playing NBL then that got involved in it, come down and, you know, just wanted to be around the kids and then the kids see them and seeing them playing NBL, whether it was for the Taipans or someone else. And yeah, it was really cool. So that program's now continues, yeah, as I said, continues to run nationally. And it's something that, you know, I've, yeah, I'm really proud of being involved in that previously. And um, yeah, it's just so many goals. You, you think about what it's been able to achieve over time. Yeah. And that's the impact of sport, isn't it? That's why we, especially you and I <laughs> work in sport because it's very powerful like that. Back to Mac, that's the hashtag for Mackay Basketball and Mackay Meteors, Meteorettes. Uh, don't say it too loud. I get stitched up all the time about that. Like I'm trying to be marketing guru and they go, what is this nonsense? So uh, you, the, the other one before was Mac Town is my city and everyone's yeah. like, how can you say Mac Town is my city? It just doesn't, you, you just, so anyway. <laughs> oh, it's got to be that too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely Mackay's got a proud basketball history and you go back through the onboards and things like that and there's little golden eras in there where it's been championship or runners up and um yeah talk to me about some of some of those times for you that you've been a part of and also the talent in Mackay and and why do you think I've had a lot of talent from this area go on to the professional leagues yeah look it's it's interesting right because i got two two different kind of views on this because pre coming here you know i used to play against Mackay you know as a as a representative playing for the Cairns team in the same league and it's funny, right? You you kind of come to Mackay and there wasn't too many years where you'd go, oh yeah, Mackay. You, you can't, yeah, you know, like, I mean, look, I was really lucky. I was on some teams and don't get me wrong. I'm not talking myself up. I was ninth guy, eighth guy, whatever it was. But, you know, we had some really good teams in Cairns during that kind of golden era for us. And we'd kind of go, oh yeah, who we got? Oh yeah, Mackay tick. That'll be a win. Yeah, this one win, you know, that kind of thing. But you always felt certainly a, a really strong culture here with the support whenever you played here as an opposition player 
you know, everyone was very proud, very passionate about their their teams, you know, both the Meteors and the Meteorettes. And then that was a big part when I when I first took the role here and, and moved from Cairns uh, to take the GM job in 2011. Certainly that pride was something that was, was something to me. I was like, man, this is a club. It reminded me a lot of Cairns prior to the Taipans and the dynamic of Cairns basketball kind of changed when the Taipans come along. The, so you wanted to harness that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it was just – and – you look through and, and it's, I mean, I talk now as a, you know, as a, say Mackay Local, well, yeah, Mackay Local type of thing. You know, you look back and you look at some of the players that have come through, like Sandy Brondello for a start, you know, like unbelievable career, Hall of Famer now coaching the, the Opals. What she's done in the sport is just ridiculous, right? So when you talk about players that have come through and then, you know, on the men's side now, obviously, you know, you've got guys like, Clint Steindl, Todd Blanchfield, and that have gone on to represent, you know, on the women's side, Mariana Tolo, like Fiona McGrath is another one. Like there's so many players that have kind of made their mark as local local players that have gone on to NBL, WNBL, Australian representation. So that's really cool, you know, and for me, it's kind of, you know, we want to be a club that recognises that success because I think a lot of our local kids, they don't get a chance to watch NBL, WNBL games locally. You know, they might not get to watch NBA, WM games either too much. So for them, the biggest thing in basketball is the Meteors and Meteorettes in town. So when they see those players, and it was the same for me in Cairns growing up, like I wanted to be a Cairns Marlin. Like that was what I wanted to do when I played. And I think there's that same kind of, that pride in those youngsters to go, I want to be a Meteor or a Meteorette. I want to play in front of my friends and family in front of 1,200 people when our stadium's packed. And, you know, that's that's a that's a really cool dream for them. So a lot of similarities with us, isn't it? Like the cutters uh... We want these kids, or we know these kids are growing up wanting to be cutters. Absolutely, and, and that's and that's really cool because I think that's rare in a lot of places. Like a lot of kids have those aspirations of, and it's cool. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously chasing dreams. That's what it's about, you know. Getting you kind of get places where kids, are, oh, I just want to get out of here and, and go on, you know. But a lot of our kids want to stay and play in Mackay, and, and hopefully they go on to bigger things. But representing Mackay now at the NBL one is is certainly a significant achievement. So. I, I don't know, you know, we've had some really good coaches for a long period of time, junior rep coaches. There's been people that have really invested a lot of time into particularly junior development. Um, I could rattle off, you know, heaps of just rep coaches from over the last 30 years that have given their lives to the game here, to the kids. You know, one really cool one that's um, that always resonates with me is Jock Fillier, the shot doctor. So uh, Jock, rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago, but so what Jock used to do is that every Sunday he would run free, basically shooting clinics for anyone. Like, and it was funny because at the time you'd get young kids who were eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, starting out in basketball. There'd be NBL one QBL players going to his backyard, working on an outdoor hoop, working on their shooting, you know? So, you know, the stories that he used to share with me around, you know, like those players coming in and, and, and working on that. And that's legendary stuff. And I think that's a big part of, you know, I think it's when you leg- look at it, 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 it is, you know, it's, it's really cool. And I, I think there's so many coaches that, again, I could roll on names and I'd be remiss if I did because I know I'd, I'd, I'd leave somebody out. But I think we've had some really good coaches here. And I think that's really helped that journey. And again, the pride, the pride in kind of representing Mackay, our women's, sorry, our girls program right now, I would say we've got the best girls, junior girls program in the state, like in terms of state championships and making gold medal games over the last 10 years. Unbelievable. So mm. it's... um. Yeah, there's, it's certainly pretty cool. Yeah, so then what's the next link for me is what is the missing link for the ones that don't? You know, there are the talented ones that, of course, don't make it. A lot of kids at certain ages have to leave town to keep chasing the dream. 
and you know, whether they're successful or not. What do you think you know, for, for us here, for the, the challenges for junior athletes to take that next step? It's, I think one thing that's like the NBL one now for us. So obviously similar to the, the cutters in terms of the, the, the level of competition has been good and bad in that it's become such a high competitive standard now that a lot of the local kids that may have been able to play state league basketball maybe in the last 10 or 15 years, the jump now is significantly higher because the number of NBL players that come back to play, overseas talent coming into play, like in terms of payments and money and, and, and remuneration for players, that's a lot higher than it's ever been. So we're seeing the most talent that we've ever been, which is great because if a, if a Mackay kid makes that level, that's fantastic because they could have a career at that level for the next 15 years and, and, and make money and be good and you know that and never have to leave home the issue obviously is is that now the level is so much higher that you know we as an association are going to do a much better job of creating you know the, the pathways for development to get those kids to there because we there is certainly looked if i was honest there's a gap not so much on the girl scene but on the boys side around the gap between making the jump from an under 18 kid to then going straight into an nbl1 squad is certainly getting harder and harder our biggest challenge at the moment is that we just don't have an underpinning competition. So you finish under 18s, you play local Mackay basketball division one men, but there's no real, like for an under 23 kid, that's probably not going to be playing NBL one unless you're exceptionally talented. Playing local. You're playing locally, you know, like you don't get those chances to go play Cairns, Townsville, Rockhampton. Like we've tried to do some things with other, other clubs, but certainly the travel and the, the distance involved geographically hurts. Cost. The cost is massive. So our big thing at the moment is is really encouraging kids to look at the US college pathway. Yeah. And I think if you look probably across the last you know 10 years of Mackay kids, there's, there's probably been 15 or 20 kids that have actually gone and done that, which I think is cool. So then, you know, they leave here as an 18 year old, they go to college in the States, they get that experience, they're playing against peers. You know, it's it's not only a cultural experience they remember for the rest, rest of life, most of them are getting a free education because of scholarships. And then, then you get to come back as a 22, 23, 24 year old, and then you're probably ready to play at that level. So- Is there any off the top of your head you can talk about at the moment? Yeah, look, I think, you know, when you, you kind of, I think more so recently, you know, Kelsey McDermott's one that comes to mind. So Kelsey was a junior player here in Mackay, had an exceptional junior career, went over, you know, played Division Two college four years, graduated, come back, joined the Townsville Fire and the WNBL for a season. She's down now playing NBL1 in Brisbane for Northside. Courtney Virgo, same college, you know, she did the exact same college route that way. Chantel Thomas is another one probably. And then, you know, when you then kind of look at, you know, again, you know, Clinton Brooks Steindl, there's two there that have come through the pathway that way that have done similar things. I mean, Clint's obviously gone on now to play NBL high levels and represent Australia. So there's certainly those kids um, that have gone out there and, and really harnessed that opportunity. Sarah Storshaw is another one as well. So I, I think it's just kind of putting the idea that that's achievable. Like a lot of kids in Mackay and parents as well, that uh, naive is not the word, but they just, they don't understand. Like I could say to a kid and go, man, you're good enough. You could go play college. And parents would go, what? No way. You know, they, you know, just realistically, they don't kind yeah, of get it. So out of reach. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's certainly something that we're looking at in terms of our pathway and where, where players can go. Can uh, you like invite colleges to come in and present or is that not? Or can you set that up for the colleges? Yeah, look, Basketball Australia are doing a better job now around, they've got a, a unique kind of college pathways program. So all the education around, you know, what it takes, what you've got to do academically, because 
a lot of kids and parents think, oh, I'm good, I can go, but they don't understand the importance of academics and what that plays in terms of actually getting into college, passing an SAT test or an ACT test, like, you know, doing all this stuff academically to put you in a position to then get a scholarship, you know, like- It's not it, just all on the floor. It's, it's, no, it's, it's certainly not. And that's that's a big part of it. And, and, and then look, on the flip side, I think what's good about it too is that, well- Oh, if I would be negative or critical in one sense is now, well, the other thing is that now everyone thinks they can do it as well. So it's like, well, my kid, you know, this and that and everything else. So it's kind of that fine line around, okay, you still got to be talented to be able to go and do that because it's cutthroat. Like I've seen it firsthand over there, you know, like you go into a program and you could be one of the greatest. And, and even a lot of our Aussie kids struggle with it because they're coming out and they're a very, very good junior player here in Queensland, may play Queensland junior representative, maybe even make Australia. Then they go to a D, Division One or Division Two school. And if they don't perform, like next, next, next. Yeah. Because coach's it's job, it's, it's cutthroat, you know. Like if a coach has a, a bad year record-wise, they're, they're fired, you yeah. know. So – it's definitely an interesting industry, but certainly one for us from Australia, seeing more kids go and do that. And at the end of the day, regardless of what happens with basketball, if they can get out of there with an education, get a college degree that's partially funded or fully funded under scholarship, again, an experience, an experience you know, cultural yeah. experience for life. I've got mates that I went to college with that, you know, that's 20, 21 years on now and I'm still, you know, like we'll pick up the phone and, you know, that, so those experiences in itself as well. And so... But that's where I think the gap is, is for us in the north. It's different in the south. When I say south, being southeast Queensland, like you go 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, 20s, 21s, 23s, SBL, NBL1, you know, and then it's there's, it's everything there for you. Whereas if a kid wants to stay in Mackay, you've really got to be talented once you finish 18s to make the jump. So certainly something that we're trying to work on is what's that, what does it look like between 18s and NBL1? What I'm also really interested in is that, that support for that player that does try and make that jump around here, especially what, what's been done around well-being in for Mackay basketball, but also that Australian level, like are there, and your experience too, was there pro, anything in place for a support network? Yeah, look, it's it's a it's a good question, Cookie. Um, look, we're we're kind of new in that space as well. Around, you know, I think it's probably become more prevalent over the last, and you would know probably better than I do in terms of, you know, how important it is to to look at an athlete holistically. We tend to focus so much on on field or on court, and if they're not successful there, then we kind of well, I wouldn't say we brush them, but it's like, all right, well, what's you know, you're not performing there without thinking, looking at a kid as a whole, and going, okay, well, what what other areas? So certainly for us. There's now a lot of new technology. I mean, obviously, the world we live in is very different, you know, in terms of apps and being able to track genuine wellness. And I think, you know, from a, from a state level, we've certainly done that more from Basketball Queensland. There's wellness apps for those elite kids that every day they've got to, you know, basically log how they're feeling, how they're sleeping, you know, what issues, study, all these kind of things, which is a great way to track that overall, again, that holistic mm. view, view. But Have you seen benefits from that? I, I think so. I think so. Look, I think if it gives, like a lot of kids will go, oh, this is a waste of time, you know, like I just, this is something I don't want to do. But I think so as they did it. Their buying is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, look, parent buying I think is important too to make sure because there's not many – it's a funny story, like they talk about this one kid and I, I had a pleasure of coaching him in my Queensland under 20 team last year. You know, he's from Townsville, Rory Hawks, his name. He was the only athlete throughout his, the entire kind of Queensland cohort that over four years logged every single day. And now is, you know, he's just graduated from the COE, 
He's going to St. Mary's, <laughs> one of the you know most premier college programs in in the U.S. From an Australian standpoint, has played with the Boomers now, like caught Boomer squad uh, a couple of months ago. So I think when you look at the examples and look one off, like he's probably the hardest working kid, one of the hardest working kids I've ever seen on court as well. So that helps. <laughs> but I guess from an overall wellness perspective, that gives you a really good model to go. This is a kid that's done all his due diligence every single day. He's logging, he's tracking. And from a coaching perspective, you can kind of, you've got more information on him to know what works, what doesn't, and he goes on to the great thing. So yeah, look, it's certainly, and the other thing too is, is resource wise, right? Like we're, we're all, I'm sure you're in the same boat with your organization. We're all kind of hamstrung in terms of just people, resources and time, time poor around, you know, but again, I think that's a big thing that we need to be better at, particularly at Mackay Basketball is just around, you know, find the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, again, this life's very different. Like I guess even my era and then I look at my parents there, you know, like, oh, just suck it up. Just go play. Like, mm-hmm. toughen up, mate. Like, and even, again, I do, I catch myself sometimes. I'm like, what? No. Get on the court. Go, you know, like without kind of understanding again or what's triggering it. You know, there's all these underlying issues, whatever it is. But, yeah, it's it's certainly better too in terms of basketball Australia at the national level are doing a better job in terms of wellness for coaches because – it's something, I guess, from my end too. You just stressful. It, it is, you know, like it, people don't get it. Winning and losing, and you know, again, my job's I'm in a performance based industry. So if my team doesn't do well, then you know, I might not get my next job and and whatever else. But so these things are hopefully filtering down from the top, Australia, down to the state, down to regionally, absolutely areas like this, absolutely. And it's just even little things, right? Like just sleep. Yeah. <laughs> How you get enough sleep? Like you know, I could from a coaching standpoint, you're the same, like. Look at it from, you know, our jobs, like, I don't know how many hours a day, you just, okay, this, and then you got to go into coaching mode and then it's, okay, well, <laughs> then you got family and trying to balance everything in that space. You can see why so many coaches, you know, like just burn out, burn out. like, and you, and you compound that with social media. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion these days. Well, so. Simon Mitchell was a really good example of that, I think, recently, um, you know, not taking up a another role with the Phoenix, um, you know, mutual decision, I'm sure. So, but really in his press conference, was really honest. And to hear that, that kind of the love for, for what he was doing yep. is kind of gone a different direction. It's time for him to move on. I mean, at that level and even the high levels, you just like far out. You've got to be very thick skinned and it's all part of it. Like we all say as coaches, we all go, oh, that, you know, people's opinions, you, 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 but sometimes when you keep hearing the same thing or there's always the armchair critics that love to just, and, and, and look, I mean, I, I think I've done a, uh, as I've gotten older and more mature, I've kind of done a better job of just go, well, I don't care what you think because, you know, as long as the club is happy with my performance, I'm happy with my performance and the team are doing what they need to do, you know, then that's that's my job, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So Outside noise. Outside noise, yeah. <laughs> and even Mackay, like that's probably something, you know, for both of our organisations and our teams because we're such – our community is so geared around success and you know you guys have won multiple championships we've won championships so when you get accustomed to that that becomes the expectation and it's it's certainly i think a lot of people don't understand what goes into how much stuff has to go right to go win a you know a q cup go win a nbl one chart title and then (laughs) just yeah funny yeah for us we've only won the one but you guys have won multiple and when you do win multiple and are successful people expect that success (laughs) yeah Um, yeah yeah but hopefully we've got a few more you got you got got more in you mate you got more (laughs) in you that leads me down to the next point i really want to know how you've 
you look after your own well-being and um, probably from your experience to what you have you just touched on what you've learned over the, you know, the journey, how do you look after your own mental health? Yeah, look, I, I still probably, I wouldn't say struggle. I think it's more just it's a learning curve for me around balance, right? Like I've always been someone that's invested so much into, you know, my career as a player, as a coach, as an administrator, you know, and, and you just kind of, I feel like, again, going back to my overall coaching life philosophy is the harder you work, good things happen, right? So it's been something that I've kind of, and that's been passed on to me from my parents and things like that. But, you know, certainly as I've gotten a bit older, family and having a newborn now, you know, like Tane's 15 months and, you know, Ayla's 11 going on 16. So I'm really lucky to have the support you know, Rach is unbelievable in terms of a partner and, and just, you know, taking care of a lot of the things around the house day-to-day family-wise that allows me to do what I do. And I think that sacrifice for me is pivotal because I couldn't do that if I didn't have someone like her that was willing to do those things. So I think that's a big part of my mental health is just having a, a life partner that's like, okay, we can have conversations about what's going on. It's funny now, like, before we met, she probably had no idea about basketball, what it was. And now, you know, her and Ayla particularly are so invested in every single game. Like, you know, when we lost our quarterfinal last year against Northside, we did the lap around to thank the fans and the sponsors and, and that. And I get to Ayla and she's bawling her eyes out like it's the end of the world. I'm trying to hold it, hold it together. Like, you know, and she, she is just bawling her eyes out like she's more invested. And I'm like trying to tell her, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You know, that type of thing. So, but for me, it is certainly difficult, Cookie. Like, I mean, I try and, you know, the workload's so heavy. You try and find ways to, I guess, <laughs> one thing I am known for, and my friends and family will tell tell anyone this is I'm a serial napper. So, yeah. like, I just try and, like, I've got this charge thing, a battery. charge a battery, you know. Like, I'll just sit at my desk and I'll be looking at my computer and I'll just look around and, right, okay, 20 minutes, bang, set the alarm, nap and close my eyes. And I can do that. I can fall asleep in a second and wake up and go, yeah, okay, I'm good. That's a great superpower. <laughs> you know what? As, and people give me crap about it, but the, the older I've gotten, I'm like, you know what? You guys can hate because it's it's changed my world, you know. Like, you know, obviously I try and – doesn't look like it. I mean, I'm probably in the worst shape of my life because of just being so busy in terms of stuff, but certainly getting out and trying to be active with the family and and making sure when it's hard right because the, the industry that we are in is seven days a week so you know it's, it's hard to actually switch off from that particularly when like Sundays is normally our day off family that kind of thing but then I roll out and there's NBL and NBA and bloody hell they're putting it on Sundays I get sorry Rach I've got, to, I've got to watch this game because I've got to you know that yeah. kind of thing but yeah family's very important to me and being able to, to uh, I guess use that as an outlet particularly you know with Tane when you have and you're the same with young kids now it's like you look at your you know your toddlers and they're just it's just crazy man it can just make you and it's probably new to me particularly as a coach to go it doesn't matter like I can and last year was probably the first time really because I was coaching seriously at a high level and then win or lose like normally if I lost a game mate don't talk to me for three days it'll take me three days to recover you know whereas now it's like I'll you know see Tane after the game and he don't give a crap he's like laughing and happy and running around like crazy and I go you know what it's okay like there's more to life than winning and losing basketball games even though again performance-based industry and that kind of helps my mental mental well-being that way and again i'm a, I'm a bit of a lad right like i love humor you know i'm as sarcastic as, as they come in terms of like you know if i can find ways to just make people laugh and laugh myself i think that's a really good element to 
and you can take the piss out of yourself and you can just kind of, you know, like, and, and I'll give it as good as I get it, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's important for me in terms of my own individual wellness, just of being able to have a laugh and yeah. have that you know, environment around you. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yep. So you talked about working harder. Have you had to slightly shift also working smarter? It's what? funny. Yeah. It's, it's that, 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 <laughs> like, I, I hear people say, you know, it was someone in my office said it today, like, oh, working smarter, not harder. <laughs> I'm like, you're bloody lazy. That's <laughs> what it is, yeah. Well, what, yeah, what does that mean to you? Oh, I mean, God, oh, there's, there's certainly, I mean, I'm a process-driven person, right? So there's probably a whole lot of things that I do that could be done differently and more efficiently, but like it's even habit. it's habit, right? And, and, and habits are hard to, like I, again, same conversation today some of my staff that were there like I'm old school right so I write everything in my diary I've got this old if I lose that diary mate I'm up shit's creek I, I got nothing like you know they're laughing at me because it's not in a phone it's not in a tablet like they're like oh can we just meet, do this meeting I'm like oh, I just gotta go down and get my diary let me get my diary and have a look you know and there so oh, you know the work smarter I I think life and the way we are now technology based has certainly made a lot of things easier for us in terms of just connecting and all that kind of thing. I'm still old school. Like I want to get my hands dirty. I want to make sure. And my biggest problem is delegation too. I'm not a good delegator. I need to become better at that. But I feel like I'd rather, I don't know, it's yeah, certain things I want to do in a certain way. And there could be, as I said, there could be better ways or more efficient ways to do it. But at the end of the day, that fulfills me in my job. I can go home and go, yep, like I've had a good day at work because I've done all these things and again, process driven, but. Um, yeah, and I reckon a lot of coaches are like that. Like you, you do hear about it, especially across, you know, AFL industry, rugby league industry, and again, basketball. But, you know, for your role too now, like, and you had that experience before, it's, a, it's an operations role as well. You're general manager of the, of the league. So <laughs> surely there's opportunity in that, that space to. It works smarter. Yeah, yeah. No, race definitely tells me that. Um, no, it's 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 something I've got to. And again, you choose. Like I, I don't want to make excuses. Like I've chosen this this path for me and, and taken on that role again. And understanding, you know, this time around, like again, having done kind of both in that instance from 2011 to 2016. It was a little bit different for me. You know, we didn't have as many staff back then. The association or our club probably wasn't as big as it is now. So I feel like we've got a really good team of people. We've got a really good board. A lot more people are invested in in, in the organization. So my role is probably more around actually managing people versus the same job five years ago was probably operational, being a lot more hands-on. Yeah, sweeping so, the floors. Yeah, <laughs> sweeping the floor, fixing the toilets. Oh, now I'm going to go meet with the mayor and here we go. <laughs> like, So it's everything and everything, you know, from from that job. But again, I mean, I just to do it for the fulfillment too. Like it's, there'll be some stage, like everyone says around, like, I mean, I was in the office this morning until 3 a.m. doing stuff and I just feel comfortable in that space because I get four or five hours at a night where no one can bother me and I'm just like, yep. Here we go, bang, smash it out and probably not the best thing for my own welfare, but at the same time, if I don't do that, then I'm stressing about, well, what what, what jobs do I have to do and I've got to get this done and deadlines and everything else. So certainly some skills I've got to get better at in terms of managing, but mate. Mate, you're lucky you got those powders. <laughs> That's the <yeah>, aim. <laughs> Surprised I'm still awake now, mate. Far yeah. around. Don't take don't take it to heart <laughs> if I fall asleep with my eyes closed here in the next five. <laughs> oh, <funny. laughs> All right, uh, dare to dream. I want to talk through some current and future goals that you've got set. So personally, um, I'm sure one's sleep and then <laughs> also professionally for you and the team. Good question. It's funny as we, how we evolve, right? If you would have asked me that five years ago, I would have said NBL coach or bust, like, you know, even even like 
getting involved in an NBA team or trying to get, you know, USA is obviously the benchmark of basketball in the world. So, you know, getting back over to the States and, and being involved in some capacity where it's college or NBA that way. Have you been close? Look, there's been some opportunities, NBL wise assistant coaching roles that have come along more so recently. Uh, and then also look with the US stuff, I've been lucky of, of I've now got kind of relationship. I've been doing some stuff with the junior NBA, which is more the youth level of the NBA stuff. But again, it's opened up some doors. You know, I went to Japan last September for the junior NBA and I was running clinics with the Kemi Matombo and Tim Hardaway, you know, like, I'm in awe. I'm like, man, you're, you know, I'm watching you, Tim Hardaway, you know, like I was a fan. I was like, oh, can I just get a phone? Like, I'm like, you know, like surely you don't ask this question, but then you're like, I got to, I can't miss this opportunity. And as soon as I got the pictures, I sent them to like all my cousins who are around my age and they're just freaking out going, Dikembe? I said, yep, you know, and then Timmy Hardaway, killer crossover. So, you know, that was pretty cool. You know, I'm doing now more some, I'm on the Australian under-19 EMU staff, so that's opened up some doors in terms of just, you know, I went to a couple of camps down in Canberra at the AIS with that group and Brett Brown's there, and you know, so, you know, former head coach of Philadelphia, you know, now back with the Spurs, coach Australia, and we developed a great relationship, you know, I, you know, message him often now around, you know, just mentor advice around stuff, so, yeah, look, I guess back to the original question, yeah, when I said we changed, right, like, those aspirations are probably not what they used to be. Mm. I don't want to say I'm comfortable where I am because everyone wants to kind of work, but family changes stuff, you know, and priorities. And, you know, for me, if I want to try and make the NBL, you know, most likely that would mean relocating to a metropolitan city. And and everyone does it every day with their jobs, don't get me wrong. But is that the best decision for my family at the moment? I don't know, probably not. You know, in terms of coaching the NBL one now as a, as a you know, semi-professional, professional level, like, you know, it's a ceiling that I could I could be comfortable with in coaching at this level for the next 10 years and, and retire from doing that. And, you know, that would then be, I think this year will be year, I think we're going into year 17 in the league as a player and coach. So that would be 25 plus years in the league and that'd be pretty cool. You know, I've had some opportunities through FIBA, like doing coach development. So I've traveled throughout Southeast Asia, delivering coach development stuff there. And that's something I'll continue to do. But I mean, the competitor in me wants to, you know, ultimately, can I coach in the NBL? I have no doubt. I, th- I have no doubt I could be a head coach tomorrow and, and take a program and be successful. Like, but it's all, you know, you, you know, right place, right time, yeah. right contacts, all those kind of things. My situation here is great. Like, I've got really good support. The board feel like I do a good job in both my roles, which is great. And that's rare as well. Like, it's it's hard, again, in the industry that we're in to have kind of undivided kind of support in what you do. Yeah. And you look at the greats, like it's a coaching merry-go-round, right? So, you know, if I said to you, who are the who are the best coaches in the NRL? I'm sure we both go Craig Bellamy, number one, and his tenure around, you know, that, you know, Trent Robinson, those guys, Wayne yeah. Bennett, you know, those, you know, those long-term guys. But then you look, there's maybe four or five of them. And then you look at the other guys and go, well, the coaching merry-go-round, mate, like you can talk about mental health and wellness, like far out, like, you know, there's the stories just of a roller coaster. Eh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so do I want to jump on that roller coaster? Oh, it'd be fun to be fun to get challenged myself to see if I have the ability to actually do what I think I can do. But at the same time, again, yeah, maybe ask me in a couple of years when I come back to you, I might have shifted my mindset when the kids are a bit older and you know, something else then, but yeah. yeah so, so I feel like from the outside looking in, you've been really patient and buying your time waiting for the right time or the right opportunity. 
that will come up. So no doubt you keep putting in all the hard work and have the success that you've you've had and will continue to have. That right opportunity will come. Thanks, mate. Hopefully, hopefully that's again that's a bit of kind of being a bit of a a summary of my coaching career. Like I get a lot of people like you've had success, particularly at this level. Why haven't you made the jump? You know why why are you not doing? Why are you in an NBL program? What you know that kind of thing. And again, it's it's there's a lot of moving parts to that, right? Like. There's a lot of different paths you can take with it. Absolutely. Like, this is the path you're on is right for you and your family. Absolutely. And I, I've been lucky, I think, in terms of I kind of made a decision around that age 30 when I stopped playing to grow my skill set where, one, I could take a coaching pathway or I could take an administrative pathway. And there's not many people that I can, you know, in terms of basketball that have that ability to do like there wouldn't be a general manager that's coaching NBL one like Mark Robel did it last year in Townsville but it's very rare that you do both one because probably the same person wouldn't do it anyway but same on the flip general. side <laughs> yeah well, there you go but on the flip side like you, you I've can't. kind of yeah, yeah yeah so I've kind of geared my skill set for worst case scenario so if I want to try and make a crack at coaching I can do that if I want to then I've always got there's more safety I guess in administrative operationally that there's more jobs in that area so you can kind of I've got that safety net maybe I just need to go all in on coaching for two years and go you know what stuff it this is what I want to do and I've got a genuine passion for that and and take a swing and see what happens um, has, has anyone given you that advice not really hey I think it's it's interesting because people there'd be some people that still see me more as a administration GM rather than a coach and I think I mean a lot of those are critics that are always like well you coach and you know you've had good teams so you should have success and this and that and I'm like yeah to an agree absolutely I've had some great teams but you still got to do the work you still got to know how to coach like you, you know it's not just oh show up I've got talent and that kind of thing so it's it's hard right because I've probably shot myself in the foot by doing both as well because probably coaches go well he's a GM he's not really a coach okay and I'm trying to go well no I'm a coach I'm not really a GM but yet this is the best opportunity for me at the moment, you know, to do both and, and set myself up. So, yeah, have I don't you, know. Have you had to present that before to like a board or administration for a job? Not really. Hey, like I think, you know, my jobs, I've been lucky probably professionally in the last, you know, I kind of went from, I finished playing, uh, well, not sorry, when I was when I was still playing the back end of my career, I started out as I was doing, I took a job at Cairns Basketball as the participation officer. So I was basically in schools running clinics, you know, as part of them and then playing. And then that transitioned into like an operational role at Cairns Basketball, an operational role into the Cairns Taipans. And then, um, you know, then I kind of stopped playing, was going more coaching. And then that then was with the Taipans for two years. And then moved to Mackay as GM and then that gave me so many more opportunities to coach and now it's you know that was 2011 so that's 12 years ago so from Mackay to then CEO of the Basketball Federation of Papua New Guinea so internationally through FIBA now my networks are a lot bigger back to Australia you know work with the Indigenous Basketball Australia space you know was able to do some stuff with that uh, back to Mackay so it's kind of full circle in, in where I've gone and so no one's it's yeah I don't know I mean coaching is still obviously my passion but uh, again it's just got to be it's got to be right so if it if it if it happens one day it happens again I'm pretty content if it doesn't it's okay what about the team uh, going into this season how are they shaping up I really like our group recruiting wise look we did a lot of reflection on last year you know we certainly look look we lost the quarterfinal like regular season we're tied first you know, we got a tough quarterfinal matchup against Northside who yeah, come in. Yeah, you know, like the one, I think the one or two games that they actually had their entire roster. So you know, we, full of NBL yeah. players that weren't even really training. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, it's there's not many times where I'll walk away from a game cooking and go, 
I'm okay that we lost, but I was okay that we lost that game. Like we, there's certainly some things I would have done differently in reflection as a coach in that particular game. And you always do that when you lose. But I kind of went away from that going, man, we gave that. No one gave us a chance in that game. Like, and here we are in overtime, Ali, you play away from, yeah. you know, winning a game. Uh, and, and look, to their credit, the, the play that they made to go up by one or whatever it was, you know, was massive. Yeah, um, I was there. It was crazy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, man. But following that, it was kind of like – I think we lost our identity as a group and what it meant to be a Meteors player. And that's not a knock against the guys that we had. It was We're a really young group. It was certainly a big-time coaching challenge for me because it was less X's and O's coaching and more coaching effort and motivation, which I hate. Like, I just think at that level, shop, do your job, do your work, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas it was just different because it was such a younger group managing those younger personalities and their, their focus on stuff. So this year, we've kind of gone with a, with a bit of an older group, like just good dudes first good players second so built more on character yeah yeah, yeah. And, that, and that was what was really important we did a we had a, a meeting with our local contingent of players and that was the meeting was supposed to go for about two hours and it ended up going for about eight hours and it was just around reflection on who we are what's our legacy as a club no matter you know if i leave players leave whoever leaves like what is this team or this program going to be known for and it was really good to have that and then now recruiting guys that fit that perceived culture. Now, look, I could, I mean, don't get me wrong, once we hit the floor, it could be all wrong and it could all blow up in my face. But I think the most important part of our team is the backbone of local guys and that buy-in. And then- And vice versa. Absolutely. The guys that are coming in that get recruited have to buy into the culture and the town. Absolutely. And we're exactly the same. Yep. Yeah. So I think, look, if you looked at us on paper, you'd say probably middle of the pack talent. That's the one thing with the NBL one now, man, when you look at the guys, there's 15 teams in our league. I would say legitimately 13 of those teams could probably win it this year based on rosters that we know right now. And that doesn't disregard the other two because they could beat you on their night as well which is, it's never been, like last year was the most competitive it's been I've in the league before. Like before that, there was always a clear, there was a clear top six and then a clear top two normally. And we've been lucky that we were probably in that top two many of the times. Now you look and you go, so many more clubs are investing more resources into their NBL1 programs, the Brisbane clubs, Gold Coast, Darwin. You know, it's a completely different league. It's gone from semi-professional to professional, the income, the game night, everything about it. So, but I'm still, mate, I'm genuinely excited. I think if we, we will surprise some teams, I think guys will look at us and I was having this conversation last night. It's a very different feeling because normally we're the hunted. Everyone looks and goes, Mackay, like, you know, spend well on their roster, good and good, good pieces. And everyone goes, all right, we, we've got to go through Mackay. And I don't think that our, our reputation as a club has been diminished by, like, I still think people go, shit, we've got to play Mackay. We've got to beat Mackay. But it's different. I think we're going to be the hunter this year versus the hunted, which I'm excited about because I've never been a hunter with our groups. Like we've always been talent-wise, you go, yep, top four at least, championship or bust. And so my mentality shifted a little bit where ultimately our goal is to still go win this championship and I'd be disappointed if we didn't. But it's a different feel around like going out and a bit more of an underdog chip on your shoulder and that. Like, mm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you recruit from the Tassie Jack, Jumpers Jack White. He'll be a good addition, I reckon. He, he looks exciting. Good player Mate, to watch. He is uh, – I can't wait to coach Whitey. I think he is going to embody what we are about as a community, what we're about as a team. Like, he's funny, right? The last two seasons that he's played, he's just one of those pests. You Like, I hated playing against him because he's – 
He'll make some big shots. He'll turn to the bench. He'll look at you, you know, but not in a way like you. And that's that was part of why I brought him here. I'm like, yeah. man, that's like I need that. I need that, you know. Like I want that guy that's gonna, you know, bring a bit of, you know, that to the game. And so, you know, he's running around here with a mullet. And he, he goes, this kid, get out of here! Like <laughs> oh, he'll definitely uh, fit in. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So, I reckon he'll become a fan favorite very quickly. Just again, work ethic, what we're about, right? Give everything, and that's. That's what I love about Mackay. It'd be the same for you. Like I think our fans appreciate you don't have to win everything, but if you go out there and give it a fair income crack, yeah. and 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 just don't BS. Like just go play hard because they know if you do it, don't they? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and and, I'll tell you. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. It keeps everyone honest. Absolutely. Then. Absolutely. That's what we want too. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to sitting in the stands cheering on both male and female teams this year and I wish both teams all the best. Um, to finish on, it would be great to, for you to give one piece of advice. <laughs> Work to, smarter, not harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Um, yeah, to any sort of junior athlete in, in our region, Mackay, um, or any region really anywhere, um, coming through what, you know, from, from your experiences, what's one piece of advice? I would say, look, there's probably a million things going through my brain at the moment. I mean, if I want to get real cheesy about it, but still, like, dream big. Like, it's okay coming from region. Like, I'm from Cairns, and while I haven't hit all my milestones of where I want to get to, like, I look at my journey and just go far out. Like, when I actually take time to reflect on it and go, man, that's pretty cool. You know, I come from, again, community in Cairns. Like, you know, we were, mum and dad worked very hard. To, to be able to put myself and my brother in opportunities to play sport and, and do things. You know, by no means did we come from a financial background where you could just, you know, like travel here and do everything, that kind of thing. And I think that helped shaped a little bit around our character as people as well. But, you know, a lot of people say, oh, if you're from Mackay, you're from Cairns or wherever, you know, regional town, it's, yeah, you got to move and you got to do this. And, and ultimately sometimes you do, but I think it's if you just, if you set on some stuff, just do it, man. Like, just give it a crack. There's going to be naysayers along the way. And I don't want to be, like, because everyone, everyone says that, right? Oh, push the negative people out of your life and don't do this and this. But, I, you know, I, I don't know how, how much that resonates with young people these days. Like, unless you put in a text message and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But really, mate, it's just probably, just give it a crack. Just be you. Be genuine. Like, I think I try to change a little bit to suit. Like even my coaching probably again in the last 10 years, I was like, oh, I've got to be this and I've got to be that. And now I look and go, I don't have to be any of those things. I just need to be me. If I'm genuine and I'm authentic in what I do, that's going to be, that's going to be sit better with the players that I coach, the people I'm involved with. And if people don't like me, that's great. I don't need you anyway. I've got enough mates, you know, but I think generally just be yourself. Be yourself, work as hard as you can and enjoy the, enjoy the ride, whatever happens, there's ups and downs, but You'll be better for it if you get through the, the hard times, that's for sure. Yeah, awesome. JK, that, I love that chat that we just had, and I'm sure whoever's listening out there uh, <laughs> is definitely going to get something from that. So, Amanda, we just really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. I know you've probably got to head to training and get a nap in beforehand. But... Well, I was looking out. I've got 23 minutes, so I'm good. I'll tee it up. And No, nah. <laughs> nah, it was great to be here, mate. Thanks, thanks for having me, mate. It's uh, Yeah, I loved it. Change the game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters.